0: Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA. It's Tuesday, about midday. Joining me from Austin, Texas, is the professor, the author of Sprawl Ball, Kirk Goldsberry.
1: What's up, Brian? How are you?
0: And if you're watching on our YouTube channel, you can see a spectacular Tiffany basketball over
1: Kirk's shoulder.
0: Oh, wow. I'm kind of jealous of that.
1: Actually, yeah. I
0: know that they had those last year, but I kind of like it.
1: I went uh, as part of a feature I did last year on the new trophies the NBA rolled out uh, for the for Larry O'Brien and for the MVP stuff. They gave me this beautiful teal basketball, classic signature teal wow. color that Tiffany has on a lot of the packaging. But, yes, thank you for the I call think that's, out on that.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, Tiffany probably has like a patent on that. Joining us from Oakland, California is Anscapes' Mark Spears. What's up, Mark?
2: Got a couple balls back here by myself. Yeah, you do. I actually got a ball rack. You do? So, yeah. yeah.
0: There's one um,
2: basketball in particular has an amazing story, but I don't know that I could tell it. So,
0: <laughs> all right. That'll be for after dark. Yeah. Um, the, you know, last year they, they did a whole new. Oh, thing by the way, Trump.
2: since he's throwing up his horns, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Got Tigers. Got Tigers. They got a big game this week, Spears. UAB? I thought you were playing Georgia
2: or is that? Oh, that's, uh, no, I'm, I got my ticket. That's uh, that's December 3rd, Hoss.
0: Oh, December 3rd. Okay. There goes your
1: chance to be guest picker, Brian. There goes your chance.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not looking for
2: that. showing up for the Alabama game. Yeah, sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's right. The SEC always plays like a bogus game, the second to last week of the season.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, it's a strategic thing. I remember last year, so the NBA rolled out the new uh, trophy uh, design and like Tiffany did it or whatever but then they had a new Louis Vuitton um sponsorship where they the case that the that oh, the yeah. um beautiful And I remember asking people what they thought the actual retail value of that trophy case was I think Spears I think it was on set
2: Yeah in Cleveland the case yeah, yeah, yeah. It's huge. No,
0: it was no, 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 no. It was in when we were in. I'm sorry, Ohio, Boston,
2: Boston, Boston. Why did I say Cleveland? It was on Boston. set
0: with us for NBA Today, and so we had the case up close in Boston. And I was examining it, and I remember asking Malika, "I go, Malika, what do you think this cost?" And I don't remember what she said, but it was way, way, way low. She's like, "Oh, probably like 5000 thousand." And I like cackled that loud. I was like, "This is, this is fifty thousand if it's a cent." But we had yeah, a spirited yeah, yeah. debate about.
1: On How eBay, they,
2: it'd be more than that, right?
0: probably. Um, anyway, we digress. Uh, so, the Boston Celtics are off to a terrific start. They are um, ten or eleven and three. They have the longest winning streak uh, going as we uh, record this podcast, mm-hmm. um, and they're doing it despite obviously the drama at their coaching. Uh, position and the fact that Robert Williams, who is just such an important player to them um, has missed the entire season to this point after knee surgery. Um, and I, when you watch them play like nightly, it's just like a show between Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And they have the number one offense in the league to this point, And it's not close. They average uh, three more points per hundred possessions than um, the number two uh, Denver Nuggets, and the Cavs are number three, right behind that. Um, They're as close to the Nuggets are as close to the Celtics between one and two as the Nuggets are to the fifteenth Brooklyn Nets. Uh, So not only are they the best offensive team, they're the best offensive team uh, running away and. They are just so dynamic with the way that they're playing. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon coming in has made a positive addition. So, Kirk, um, I want to start with you. Um, We haven't talked that much about the Celtics because there's been some drama elsewhere in the league and particularly the Eastern Conference this year with teams that have been underperforming, the Nets, the 76ers, um, even the heat have gotten a little bit more attention although the heat just crawled to 500 for the first time um, Monday night when they squeaked one out against the suns Jimmy Butler with a clutch block on devin Booker at the end of that game um the celtics have kind of in a way flown below the radar other than like updates on how dominant Tatum has been by the way they're 11 and three two of the losses to the cats so they're 11 and one against everybody else what have the celtics shown you so far
1: offense 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 that's the story i mean this team was good on offense especially at the end of last year but i don't think anybody brian would have predicted the celtics would have number one defense in the nba this season nobody would have said that i don't think so credit to the coaches and credit to two players in particular you already mentioned them: jason tatum and Jalen brown are playing the best basketball we've ever seen them play together i think as a duo you can count on them for 56 57 points a game that's ridiculous i mean that's that's historical sort of proficiency from a duo, uh, in in pro basketball. And so I think you have to start there as a team. They're one of the best shooting teams in the NBA. Uh, as you mentioned, they're 11 and three. And and if you want to pick nits, you go to the defense, right. But only to an extent because this team is 21st in defense right now. As you already mentioned, Robert Williams third is by far their most important defensive piece. He's not out there. So we're going to talk today about a few concerning defenses. This isn't one of them. I expect this team to snap back into shape. I also expect their offensive efficiency to drop a little bit. Uh, but I also think that that defensive number uh, is going to creep up, too. So, you know, they're forcing really good shots uh, on defense and the opponents are just making them at high rates uh, that shooting luck stuff. So I, I, I'm not worried about them. And I think they've flown under the radar. They're defending Eastern conference champs. And as you mentioned, they're 11 and three. I think they're going to, the ceiling is still the same for this team, the NBA championship. And I don't think anything's changed since, since, and they've had uh, obviously a lot of drama, as you pointed out. So a great start for the Boston Celtics. Yeah, yes,
0: Spears. Uh, yeah, I I don't know what you thought they were going to be. Yeah, but Joe Missoula. I don't know if this was the plan, but Joe Missoula has yeah. them running as much as possible. They're really, you know, Missoula has has just almost enhanced them from where they were last year.
2: Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I was kind of when they they made the decision to make a Missoula coach, which is you know respect to him. This isn't shade on him, but I was like I really hope that Damon Stoudemire was going to get that opportunity. Um, somebody who has been a head coach, uh, actually, you know, on the college level. Um, but I got to give Missoula credit, man. Like he definitely, you know, the NBA awards come out at the end of November for October, November. He, he should be the coach, uh, of the months, I guess you could say for the, for the Eastern conference, uh, they look like a team that with everything going on, I I just really thought they were going to have a bad start. I really did. I thought this could affect them. That, And it was like once the season started, okay, let's take that cloud, throw it over there. Yeah, we're still upset about this. And they've been balling, man. And, uh, you know, I, I talked to Jason Tatum before the season, and I could sense that, you know, losing in the finals really motivated him. Like we got a taste of it, we didn't win it. now we know how to get there. we gotta get back. same with Jalen, um same with smart and and they sense I sense that they're playing with this fire, this chip, uh getting Malcolm Brogdon, I think was brilliant. That's what they've been missing, uh but Marcus has also been playing great defensively um i I too. Like Kirk, man, like not having Robert Williams and and doing this defensively is pretty, pretty shocking to me. Um, uh, but look, man, they we gotta remember where they were, right? <laughs> they were in the finals last year for a reason. And we've been probably talking so much about MB's heroics, which we should be doing and what Giannis and the Bucks have been doing, and they just quietly, man, being the Eastern Conference champs that they are.
0: So, their three point shooting has been absolutely devastating. They're fourth yeah. in the league in percentage, but it's not just their, their accuracy, it's just their depth of three point shooting. So, let me tell you about what some of their role players are shooting from three point range. So, Al Horford is shooting 45% on five attempts a game. Yeah. Grant Williams, who was a killer, he, he buried the Boston Celtics or the um, Milwaukee Bucks with his three point shooting in that conference semifinal series last year, he's taken, he's mis- making 49% shooting three a game, but still almost 50%. Derek white shooting four a game, 40%. Sam Hauser, who was a guy that Bontemps was talking about in the um, in the preseason as a guy, they were going to rely on a lot this year after Danilo Gallinari went down for the whole year that opened the door for Sam Hauser. He is shooting um, f- uh, f- uh, 45% from long range on four and a half a game. He is a, a certified weapon. Um, he basically is kind of like Duncan Robinson. He pretty much only shoots threes and um, but he's efficient at it. And they're you know, he doesn't do it every game, but he does it enough to um, to make a difference. And, um, you know, you, 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 you know, Brogdon is, you know, okay, 37%. Tatum shooting 37%. Jalen Brown a little bit less than you'd like at 34%. But um, Tatum shooting 10 a game. And so shooting 10 a game at 37%, do the math. That's over 50% and efficient shooting. So, um, uh, you know, Tatum is also getting to the line. I mentioned this earlier this week. We were talking about all the guys averaging over 30. He's averaging 32 Getting the line nine times a game and shooting eighty-seven percent. That's another thing about the Celtics; they're devastatingly accurate uh, free throw shooters, which is why I mean, again, let me just go over the percentages here. Jason Tatum, nine times to the free throw line a game, eighty-seven percent. Jalen Brown, eighty-three percent. Marcus Smart, eighty-three percent. Grant Williams, eighty-two percent. Derek White, eighty-eight percent. Malcolm Brogdon, eighty-six percent. I remember when I was a kid, like following the 80s, 80, like 86, 87. 88 Celtics, they were like the best free throw shooting team, like of all time. Like they never missed free throws. This is like one of the best free throw shooting teams of all time uh, that you're looking at here. Who's who's Uh, the worst
2: on their team? Maybe Al?
0: Yeah, of their core players, Al Horford shoots 63%. But... um, He shoots, you know, less than one a game. He's pretty pretty much a jump shooter at this point in his career. Um, So, like, even, you know, Luke Cornett, who's, like, this really long, rangy guy that comes off the bench, you know, is playing minutes now because um, uh, because Robert Williams is out. He doesn't get the line that much, but he shoots 88% from it. Um, And he was the guy who kind of, you know, became a little bit of a meme when he was standing on the a guy took a three pointer from the corner. This is about two three weeks ago. Uh, I don't remember who they were playing. Did you see this, Kirk? Um, somebody got a th- an open three pointer from the corner and he stood on the block, you know, 15 18 feet away from him and just l- jumped in the air with his hands up, yeah, yeah trying right, to like block the right. rim. <laughs> um,
1: you know, George Mike and style that used to be legal, uh, but not in
0: um so anyway, uh they are um I'm a, so they, they actually are third in the league in in, in free throw percentage, uh hmm. but if you behind the heat and the bulls, but if you want to just look at the depth of their team uh offensively, the depth of guys who can hit three point shots, the depth of guys who hit their free throws, which means you know, you don't they don't, you know, there's 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 just efficiency squared basically. Um it's really the depth of that. That's so impressive. Um, you know, the bulls are, are carried up there by DeRozan who gets the line so much that you have such a high percentage. So Brian, um, if
1: you frame it another way, this team is just built for modern basketball in the 2020s. The other way to look at it is like, there's an absence of people who can't shoot the ball, which we've seen in other places in the league. Uh, this team's historic rival, for instance, they don't have those, guys who have the anti-gravity you know the they guys are the
0: anti they're the anti-lakers that's yeah, what they that's are a, they're
1: the yeah, they have been the anti-lakers for generations and it continues but in this year in this decade it might be like they credit to brad stevens i hadn't thought about that in that context he said that this team is loaded with guys who can space the floor and knock down shots and take advantage of anybody who dares cheat on jason tatum and jalen brown two of the best scoring wings in the league. So, you know, what, what Brad has been able to do is surround his incredible duo with elite shooting role players. That's exactly what the Lakers have failed to do. Uh, I think that's pretty poetic.
0: When you watch them play um, they don't actually rank that high in terms of their pace, how fast they play, but what definitely happens is whenever Tatum or Brown or smart see an opportunity to run, they run. And It's just, they're hard to deal with in the half court set anyway. Um, And they, you know, they kind of remind me a little bit of the 2010s Miami heat in this way, Um, where the heat were a much more aggressive defensive team and they looked to generate turnovers and then they would run off them. And then LeBron and Wade would go flying up the court and they had this ability to like, go on a 12-0 run in like 35 seconds of game time because they would just create such um, high-intensity fast breaks. That's kind of what Tatum and Brown do when they have the option that there's a long rebound or there's a a turnover. They really, really look to get out and run. Um, But they also are effective in the half court. The question I think, Spears, because they're so reliant on Robert Williams Defensively, and because they're they you and know when is Kirk he projected center. back? Well, he was returned to basketball activities in eight to twelve weeks. So right there, that's already you know a uh, you know a, you know he had the surgery at the end of September, September twentieth. So they said eight to twelve weeks to return to basketball activities. That's a big spread, obviously, yeah. like a January, right? And so that's just return to basketball activities. That doesn't yeah. mean. He's going to just spring Russell. back out on the court. <laughs> yeah.
2: Of course,
0: of course. Yeah. So I would say we are a ways away from it. So the question is, does this team need to go out and try to get another big man who can defend? The name that has come up in, as people have speculated, has been Jakob Pertle from the uh, from the the spurs they did a deal with the spurs last year obviously for Derek white now the spurs may want to keep Jakob Pertle i'm not saying that they're gonna they put him out there but um <laughs> the spurs they were should. unable to extend the uh they tried to extend him before yeah. the season and so he will become an unrestricted free agent and you know they have the lowest payroll in the league san antonio can certainly afford to pay him and maybe that's what they're going to do at the end of the season It's time to knock that new business idea out of the park with Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Forget the off-season work. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling warm-ups or wall hangers, it's time to start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand discover new customers, and build the relationships that create those diehard fans. Shopify fields all the sales channels to grow winning business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is on your team every step of the way it's how every minute new sellers around the world score their first sale with shopify and you can too shopify is the secret to becoming a business champion by making it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere taking the guesswork out of selling when you're ready to take your winning idea to the world team up with shopify the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe try out shopify for free today and start selling anywhere. We have actually kind of a sneaky big game uh, on Wednesday night. It's not on ESPN. I had hoped that it would be. This sounds like a good game for ESPN, but the Cavs are playing in Milwaukee. Now the Cavs have lost four in a row, um, which takes a little bit of uh, potential heat off of this one. But Kirk, you had a story come out about the Cavs uh, this week, and it was... Very, very bullish on them. Uh, and not just because um, you like Donovan Mitchell's three-point shooting percentage. Um, what are, so this is a game that, you know, could end up being a playoff matchup, not necessarily in the conference finals, but it could end up being a, a significant playoff matchup. Um, what are some of the things about the Cavs? Now they're eight and five, uh, but They have a lot going for them. What are some of the things about them that you've liked so far?
1: Well, it goes back to last year, Brian. I loved them last year. They started putting up some great defensive numbers before the all-star break. I think they ranked fourth in the NBA. Jared Allen really emerged and made an all-star game. Uh, I loved that. I I always think that's the foundation, especially in a small market for success is a really strong defense Uh, and and credit to JV Bickerstaff and, and the front office for building a team that could do that this year. I was very bullish on them coming in before the Mitchell acquisition. then of course, after it, uh, last time I was on this podcast, we actually referenced that. They, they were my favorite team to sort of overperform their their Vegas expectation this season. Uh, and it looked like a really smart play. They won, I think, eight of their first nine games uh, and had the best net rating in the NBA. I think they still do as of recording time here today. Uh, but the last week or so, Brian, this team has fallen on hard times, gone out West, collapsed against a Clippers team. That's one of the worst offenses in the NBA, lost in Sacramento, lost in the war to the Warriors, then came home, looking their wounds and lost to one of the coldest teams in the NBA, Minnesota. Now they're eight and five. Uh, and in the context of these other two teams we've talked about in the East, Milwaukee and Boston. They've both proven that they can win games without big pieces out on the floor. Boston is 11-3 and three without Time Lord. Milwaukee has a great record without Chris Middleton. One of the things I took away from this, this cold stretch is Cleveland has a hard time winning without their guys out there. They rested Donovan in that Minnesota game, Jared Allen, uh, and, and they lost, and their defense fell apart. Uh, I am still bullish on them because the numbers are just too good when everybody's healthy. If this team stays healthy, they're one of the best most complete teams in the NBA uh, and we can get into some of the stats, but that's the big answer. to Your question The the stats from the early part of this season, don't just scream. This is a good team. It screams contender. We're ready to crash that party with Milwaukee and Boston. They've already beaten Boston in two statement wins this season and and Donovan has provided them with a spark on offense. They were number 20 in the league in offensive efficiency last year. They're number three or four this year. That has a lot to do with Donovan and this pick and roll situation they have with Jared Allen uh and and, and Evan Mobley. It's 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 a future, it's a perfect team for modern basketball. I love them on both ends of the quarter. They just got to stay healthy in my opinion.
0: Spears, you saw them last week when they were out west taking it on the chin in the Bay Area, but um, they obviously had like a 10-point lead on the Warriors on the Warriors' yeah. floor and then blew it in the fourth quarter. Uh, it's, they had a kind of a frustrating road trip, but um, yeah. as, as Kirk said, like the, the numbers on the dashboard are all green. Their offense is third, their defense is fourth, their net rating is first. Um, you know, if you, you know, the dipstick says that they're going to have a lot of wins this year.
2: Yeah, no, I, um, and obviously their backcourt is sensational. Uh, you know, Donovan Mitchell, I, I had a chance to visit with him, but the one thing that stuck out was not so much what he told me. It's what everybody in the Cavs were telling me. And I had about four people say, we didn't know he was this good. We didn't know that he was this athletic. We didn't know that he, he, he was this great of a scorer. I was like, well, I don't, I don't know what you guys have been watching, but <laughs> like, but they, they have been really impressed with him on and off the court. Uh, he just got there, and he, he, he's fitting seamless. He's a huge, huge star in Cleveland already. I don't know what his jersey sales are, but his ability to come in, he's averaging 31 uh and just kind of be seamless and you know i asked him about you know how he found out that he was going to cleveland and and he just said that he and i'm sure you, you've heard this that he knew thought he was going to new york and then suddenly his agent called and said hey you're going to cleveland and he was kind of like had a loss for words and he said his next reaction was well who's coming and who's going his agent said let me call you right back called him back uh two two minutes later and he's like, all right, we can win with this. So he he's been all in since he found out what the trade is. They seem all in back. So I, I've been really just impressed on how he's kind of just come in seamlessly and fit in, and probably is the most is no, I don't want to say probably he is the most exciting electric player they've had since you know Kyrie and LeBron walked out the door. So
0: one of the things that the scouts have told me about the calves and this is it's important to frame this. This is opposing scouts coming in. This isn't like somebody on the Cavs staff talking about how close the team is. These are guys who come in and look for flaws. Okay. One of the things that the scouts have told me is that they are, have noticed is how close the team is. And look, let's just, just, just be honest. Donovan Mitchell last year was on a team that had chemistry problems. Period. I don't want to go back and rehash it, but the team wasn't close, and to the point where they blew it up. And so, yeah, they knew they were trading for a guy who was awesome. Uh, maybe he didn't shoot the three pointer like this. You know, he's shooting over forty percent. I think that's what surprised them. Um, but you know, they were a little. They they had some, they had some mystery about how he would fit in. Well, he has fit in great. And their team is very, very close. Now, being close in November doesn't matter if you're not still close in March. It doesn't matter if it's just a one-and-done thing where you have an issue next year. But their team is genuinely close-knit. And you see it, they do, after wins, which hasn't happened in a week and a half, they they give away this um, this this chain. Um, they call it the junkyard dog chain. Um yeah. You know, and it's kind of it's you know it's it's a trope that's been around in sports and various things for decades. But um, they really really get into it, and yeah. so um, that's an in, in expression of their chemistry. One and thing, I, I'll let me back. let me add yeah.
2: one quick thing to that too is, um, you know how it is, Brian, when you go into the locker room or you walk in a shoot around, like you kind of really get to see how close these guys are, or whether they're not close at all. And when I walked into their shoot around san francisco the other day um there was like five or six players crowding around donovan chiding him about something like having like like laughing about something now i wasn't in on the joke yeah i don't know what was going on but he was like like really like taking it in jest and and jabbing back and and i was like okay like like they like love this dude already like you you could tell like it wasn't like uh you know, Ronaldo just walked into the clubhouse, right? International soccer reference. Yeah, there. like it's a, yeah. it's a month in, and and these guys are already chiding him and messing with him. I'm like, okay, Yeah, they're good.
0: So let me mention two more things before I move on. One is that Kevin Love uh, is having another great season as a six-man. Kirk, I think you had some stats on how effective he's been.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's, he is, I call him the professor of ricochet studies. He is now like this sage (laughs) rebounding guy who's putting up incredible rebounding numbers against second units who don't realize like one of the generational rebounding talents is now coming off the bench. We haven't seen that in a while. It's really fun to watch. Uh, But he's also probably the best mentor on the glass for people like Jared Allen, who is a top rebounder in the starting unit and Evan Mobley and that trio is incredible, Brian. And I think in the era of, you know, highly skilled three-point shooting, rebounding gets lost as this unglamorous blue-collar thing, but it's the thing the Cavs are the best at. They get stops in large part because missed shots get collected by those three guys. Uh, So opponents aren't getting second chances, and Cleveland is getting better offensive chances that start with these defensive rebounds. And, And one of the cool things is, I think Kevin Love is is in this new phase of his career, and he's getting to mentor these two great young bigs who are perfectly suited for the modern NBA. The other thing I'll say is I feel like as a pick-and-roll artisan, Donovan Mitchell landed in heaven because he has these two modern bigs. In my piece, I described it as like having both Justin Jefferson, shout-out Spears, and uh, Cooper Cup on the same team for these long lob targets. What a dream come true uh, for for a point guard like Darius Garland or – Donovan Mitchell. So I think this team is, is built for success on both ends of the court.
0: So Love is averaging 12 and eight in 20 minutes off the bench. He's 34. Yeah. I'm wondering if the Cavs should extend him. Yeah. Not
1: shooting like a multi-shooting 41% from three, too. So spacing yeah. out the court when he's out there on offense like, as well. This is just one of
0: those things over and over and over, you are reminded in the NBA. If you've listened to this podcast, you've heard me say it. So prepare yourself for it again. Games are long. Seasons are long. Playoff series are long. Careers, in a lot of cases, are long. Kevin Love was an albatross contract a couple of years ago. They literally tried to trade him for years. And now I am saying that maybe they should consider extending this guy. <laughs> now, he's to take like, a pay yeah. cut. He's not getting... I think he's making $27 million this year. He's not you know i mean he'd have to come down a little bit but i think they should consider it <laughs> i don't know if kevin i mean kevin would have the chance to go anywhere he wants next year but like he's doing really well they're doing really well he's a real valuable piece you know he finished second to tyler Hero, now tyler hero was a pretty much a runaway winner in the sixth man last year kevin left finished second though in the sixth man voting, so he was seventh man <laughs> last year and he right now would be considered a, a candidate for sixth man right now i know we're in month of the season but um Uh, Hey,
2: Brian, I got a question for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Should, when this is all said and done, should the Cavs retire Kevin Love's jersey?
0: Yes. And I'm going to tell you why. It's a really good question. The standard for the jersey retirements for the Cavs, with all due respect, it's not the Celtics. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah. You know, um, and like, so recently they retired Zadrunas Ogauskas' jersey. Um, And like on a personal level, uh, I adore Zadrunas Ogauskas. He is a wonderful man. I feel terrible for him because his wife recently passed away of cancer within the last couple of months. Ogauskas had, he played there for like a decade and he... Was, you know, a, tr- a really good player, but he, you know he was—he's not going to be a Hall of Famer. Kevin Love has had equal impact to, to you know, there's there's been guys who've had their jerseys retired who only played a couple of seasons with the Cavs. So, um, you know, based on that standard, plus, I am a big believer that the Cavs should immortalize the 2016 team forever, because a market like Cleveland. They may not win another title for 30 or 40 years, if, if ever. And I've always respected and it's getting a little bit different now because some of the Blazers fans now, we just weren't alive, but the, the Blazers championship has been immortalized forever there. That team has, you know, the spirit of 77, 77, right? 77. I think. now. I'm now I'm showing ignorance, but like, that team in portland was immortalized like all those guys got their numbers retired um and it's like a core foundational piece of being a blazer fan is remembering and honoring that team i think the Cavs should do that with the 2016 team i think they should have an entire wing of the arena dedicated to to walking down memory lane there it was that special um i mean i've advocated that they should um, rename the street that the parade went down that comes off the highway down to the arena, LeBron James way. Like that should be renamed yesterday. Um, but okay. He's still playing in the league. You know, maybe that's not tooth. Um And I, there's, a, there's a plaza in between. What's it called uh, now? Uh, East ninth street.
2: <laughs> yeah. They could change it now.
0: Yeah. That should be LeBron James way. Um, and there's a plaza in between the baseball stadium and the arena, and that's where the LeBron James statue will should go, and that should be renamed the LeBron James Plaza. Like five minutes after he retires, the the, the the statue should already be in progress. So, in my opinion, hell yes, you retire. Uh, LeB- uh, you know, Kevin Love's jersey. Um, you know, or you I know could that-
2: call that Plaza Love Plaza. Oh, that's nice. Well, yeah, that's a nice you, name. That's
1: a nice <laughs> ring to it. I'm yeah. not so
0: sure you should get a plaza named after him, but uh, he should have that jersey uh, up there um, because, you know, he has been – he's now been a, a Cav for eight years. Yeah. Um, you know.
2: And he so, could have asked out.
0: Yeah, and he re-signed there after LeBron left. Now, granted, yeah. he did it because it was a lot of money, but, like, he stuck with him, and he stuck with him here. So the other thing I want to bring up before we move on, Evan Mobley, um, he hasn't – Taken a step forward offensively, like I and other people had hoped. Um Now they are number three in the league in offense, so I'm not sitting here saying, "Boy, they need more offense." Well,
2: but he's had an injury in, problem, right? Too that he's yeah, still he, getting over. He, he,
0: yeah, he's had an ankle, but it hasn't, I don't think, been debilitating.
2: Yeah, i, I still down. hear that he's still not quite past that yeah, yet.
0: I think that is true, Um but. You know, they lost the game to the Clippers, the first loss. They blew a fourth-quarter lead. They lost the game to the Warriors, blew a fourth-quarter lead. They had problems executing under pressure in fourth quarters, and that's partially because Mitchell and Garland, while they're very dynamic, they don't have great size. They have, at times, trouble creating their own shot. And when teams can set their defense, um, it can sometimes get hard. They really need Mobley to become – and he's got the – he's got all the tools. So, um, Mobley hasn't had a great year so far. He is defending well. His shooting percentage is high, 55%. Um, but his outside shot has, has sort of um, regressed a little bit. And he hasn't been able to influence games late in games, like he did a little bit last year. So, um, that's something to bear watching. Um, but it is early.
1: Yeah, one more uh, thing on that on on him is, is he, this team is one of the only two teams in the league with guys who two guys in the top ten of the dunks category. He's he's a great interior finisher. I think it's just going to take time with his ankle and then with the chemistry with his new backcourt partner, his 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 common pick and roll partner. Uh, but another thing with him is like this team is stacked. You, you add Donovan Mitchell into the starting lineup. There's fewer of those offensive markers we would expect to see increase in year two. Suddenly, suddenly, you know, finding a shot when you're playing off the ball in Cleveland is a little bit harder than it was last year. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm not worried about that, Brian. And one other thing, I, it's, it's basketball is pretty simple. They might have four all-stars on that team uh, in their starting five uh, in the next few years. That's how yeah. good they are. Three of them are already made it before their primes. Evan, as I wrote in the piece, has the highest ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they need a little bit of time. I think that's what this losing streak really means. Is like Yeah. How does Rubio affect them? It's it's a great question. The other big number spears that I see that bothers me early with this team is they're playing Donovan Mitchell way too much. I don't think he's ever played more than 35 minutes a game. uh, And they're creeping him up near 40. He's already had an ankle issue. I think Rubio comes in and, number one, just gives gives Donovan some time off. Uh, But that's the depth thing that the other contenders that we mentioned – Uh, that they have, they can win games without big pieces. So I think Rubio is a huge, huge thing. Brian, when do we expect Ricky Rubio to return into this lineup?
0: They haven't given uh, a timeline yet. Um, I can just tell you that they thought his progression was pretty good. And there's been whispers about maybe sometime in December, although even me saying those words, I don't want to be held to that. But sooner rather than later, it's not going to be like, I don't think like back part of the season, I think they'll get him before the all-star break. And if, if nothing else, he'll bridge the gap between when they can stagger those two guys and take some pressure off of them. He was great for them last Mm -hmm. year. And while you're talking about a guy coming back from an ACL, you know, they re-signed him knowing he was going to be out, but they re-signed to a multi-year deal because they knew they thought how valuable he was going to be. Do people see your kitchen and say, wow, if not, then you need to visit cabinets to go.com to request their free custom 3d design and quote for a kitchen makeover that wows for a whole lot less than you'd think the kitchen is the heart of the home. And according to the real estate experts upgrades to the kitchen are one of the best ways to add value and joy to your home as seen on HGTV's dream home. Cabinets2go.com is your one-stop renovation destination. They have everything you need from design to installation. And with 200,000 cabinets available and ready to ship, your wow kitchen can be complete in weeks, not months. There's nothing like seeing a before and after photo when someone has gone to Cabinets2go.com. So visit Cabinets2go.com today and see why nobody beats their prices or their transferable Limited lifetime warranty. Right now, get a full custom 3D design of your new kitchen at cabinets to go.com slash hoop. That's a free custom 3D design of your new wow kitchen at cabinets to go.com slash hoop.
2: Two guys drove
1: to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home.
2: One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home.
1: The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or tick it. Paid for by NHTSA.
0: Okay, so another game on Wednesday night that is actually on ESPN is two teams that um, the last two Western Conference champs that are neither one of them are thrilled with things at the moment. Suns Warriors. The Warriors lost to the Kings Sunday night, and they are 0-7 on the road. And they are continuing to have yeah. defensive problems and continuing to have problems with their bench. Spears, you were at their game on Monday night, which they won. Uh put up 130 something on the Spurs. That um They've been good at home. They had a good one over the Cavs last week. Um, we've talked about them on this pod recently. I know you're going to talk about your Kings here in a minute, but um, this is a a good test game. You know, the Suns are without Chris Paul, without Cam Johnson right now, so they're not going to be whole. But um, just check it in on the Warriors when they after yeah. another bad road loss the other day.
2: Yeah, and in in their win, uh. On Monday, there was no Clay Thompson and Jordan Poole looked like Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole for the first like time he's like back in a while. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, had an amazing game, you know, which certainly probably brings up the question like, should he be the starter? Should Clay come off the bench? And Kerr has shot that down quickly. Like, that he, he doesn't want to change that. I don't, I don't know what it is about being in the starting lineup for Poole, but, you know, he and Steph play well together they're successful together and so um i do wonder if clay at this at this point could be better coming off the bench like coming in as as a shooter against second unit guys and but it's like blasphemous to say around here right it's blasphemous to say around the warriors organization i think they're their respect for clay is so strong that they probably worry that, that he probably wouldn't handle that. Well, um, I'm, I'm not speaking for them. That's just my guess. So, cause it is interesting that Clay's
0: a very proud man.
2: Yeah. Like
0: he, he comes off as easygoing, but that's not the proud. real.
2: Yeah. yeah. And like, you know, he took the Barkley stuff, Barkley's criticism really hard and, um, you know, I was real proud of his way of coming back and he should be after what he got came through. So that I I wonder for the Warriors if, if Jordan, you know, continues to do well, if Clay who's, you know, not playing in back to backs, like especially if Jordan keeps doing well and he's second of back to backs without Clay, if that gets louder. Right. I, I wonder if that gets louder. But um you know Jordan Poole plays well. They, this team has to uh, needs Jordan Poole to play well for them to be successful. Because right now, if they're just depending on Steph to save the day, that's not fair to Steph, man. That's going to wear him down. You know, it's a long season still left, so they they need Jordan to be amazing like he was last night, and maybe that puts some extra pressure on Clay to, you know, pick up his game as well.
0: Kirk, um they're they're like on one hand, you're like, oh, you look at their, their front line, they're like, oh, they're 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 doing great. Uh, and, you know, okay, they lost some road games, you know, no big deal. It's not like this team can't win on the road. I mean, I've covered them, you know, numerous times where they won titles on the road, including a few months ago. Um, but at the same time, they're in the bottom four in defense and their their bench is bad and we're a month into the season now. It's not, it's not nothing. And they just sent um Wiseman to the G League. And what it sounds like when they announced that it, it sounds like he's not going to be in the G League for one day. He's going to be in the G League for a while. Yeah. And um how long can they sort of just assume everything's going to be okay? Uh or can they?
1: Not long. And you heard Steve Kerr allude to that. Uh, the other day when he was talking about impatience and there's a disconnect between the player development mission of their young core and the title defense that's driving the old guard. Um, the last team that I think really pulled off this five title run is my beloved Spurs and and Spears. We saw Manu take a bench role at some point in his career and 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 thrive, but also one of the key things that made those Spurs so good in thirteen and fourteen, and Brian, you had a front row seat for those finals, is they had Kawhi Liner, they had a second generation helping sort of deal with the aging, balding core uh, in in, in <laughs> at the center of the rotation. How you to the, the Hall of <laughs> Famers, uh, and and to me, there are two major reasons the the Golden State Warriors are broken right now: depth and defense the stat of the year in golden state brian is this when stephen curry is on the floor for 449 minutes so far this year almost 10 full games the dubs have a net rating of 6.8 that would tie for first in the nba at the team level when curry is on the bench spears you know this 228 minutes the team's net rating has been negative 15.9 That would be one of the worst marks we've ever seen by a team in NBA history. It would be by far the worst. Curry is the MVP in a weird way. If you just look at that discrepancy, it's incredible. Uh, But it screams to me that the, the mission of the Golden State Warriors in the 2020s is to do this graceful handoff between this aging core and this second generation, this next generation core. You just said Wiseman's going to the G League. The Kaminga minutes have been an unmitigated disaster. Pool has been really bad. Moody has been break-even, not good enough. That handoff to this young generation they were trying to do on the fly this year is not going yeah. well. And the big question over the next few months in San Francisco is, are we going to start seeing Bob Myers' iPhone uh, start working? Are we going to start seeing them uh, sort of jump ship on some of these young guys? and and play for a title right now, because the numbers to me are clear. This team couldn't beat Boston last year. Uh, this team yeah. isn't good enough uh, to repeat as presently constructed.
2: And, and I'll say this, Kurt, I was, um, I've been shocked. I was one of the people that certainly was riding high with the young guys. And, but I also remember when I threw out there that, you know, perhaps they could move this young core for Durant that, the entire Bay Area wanted to show up at my house, you know, and beat <laughs> me up. Like, how, why would you do that? That just makes no sense. I wonder what they think about that now, right? Um, the thing about Wiseman that I see is confidence. It's confidence, man, because the, the things that he's not doing is, is like kind of stunning, like not catching the ball not j- jumping to block shots, not not it missing a shot and then looking like the whole world is against him. And and the I give the Warriors fan base this they're very intelligent basketball fan base, right? Reminds me of Boston. And when Wiseman came into the game on Monday night, they like cheered for him when he came in. As if to say, come on, man, we like we're behind you. We believe in you. We have faith in you. But I think this... Uh, Santa Cruz move is, is a good thing for him. He has to get, I don't think there's anything wrong with his game, his ability. I don't think there's anything wrong with his body anymore. I think it's an all mental thing. And if I'm Kerr, I'm like just go down to Santa Cruz and come back when you're dominating the G league, when you, and which should be an easy benchmark for him. But I think he's internalized the pressure of being a warrior. Of being uh, on, a, on a championship team or maybe winning a ring on a team that he didn't help win a ring, because it's just um, this ain't what I saw when he was healthy before. like it 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 totally seems mental. Maybe he gets down to the Santa Cruz boardwalk, gets on some of them rides, <laughs> eats some of that bad fried food, you know, has some clam chowder, walks along the beach, and and gets his mind right because he'll he'll have time to do that. And uh, I, I still think that he could help the Warriors out. But I do think it's to the point now where maybe, you know, there I said Dwight Howard signing might not have been a bad deal, right? Um, and one thing that's not being talked about too is all, while, you know, Igadala is uh, kind of taking the Haslam role. So right. he, he's not playing. Yeah. I, I, I think ten minutes of uh, Iguodala probably helps this team right now, but that's in essence, it's a wasted roster spot at this moment. Uh, Spears, know?
1: talk talk a little bit. Other people have left too. I mean, Mike Brown's gone. Uh, yeah. Gary Payton is gone. These aren't yeah. the people who yeah. who everybody Porter. thinks of when they think of this dynasty. But talk a little bit about how belly, how those losses yeah. have affected that defense. You know,
2: yeah, because and these were veteran guys too that were on there. And, and you know what, I I didn't think that. uh Divin injury like really hurt this team. Like him getting hurt beginning of the season really impacted their bench. And I think that's maybe a reason why they're starting to play a little better now is that even though he got tossed last night, <laughs> Div Divin is back. Um so yeah, I think um the Warriors, you know, pundits like myself put too much uh faith in these young guys that they were ready. And uh, they're not right now.
0: I was going to point out that last year they started the season 18 and two. Now I'm not, you know, you don't win this, the title in November. Okay, fine. I'm not arguing that, but it's a reminder um, that, uh, you know, they looked awesome from the start last year
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) and they, you know, they don't look awesome. Stuff looks awesome, but they don't look awesome right now Um, before we go. Spears, you had one of the spiciest things that's been said on this podcast in the last six months before the season when you, just to be clear, did you say you thought the Kings were going to outright make the playoffs or just make the play-in? or What was your, because I want to be clear, you were very, very bullish on the Kings.
2: I said they are going to make the playoffs.
0: Right. Okay. And you're standing by that? Standing by. There he goes. Okay. So it's only, I'll bet. In five years of doing this pod, we have talked about the Kings less than ten times. Um, so they are six and six. They had a bad start and they have rebounded, and they just uh, they just beat the Cavs and Warriors and two games at home, just lit up the Cavs. Uh, uh, you know, Cavs have a top five defense. They put up one almost one thirty on them. They have the sixth, uh, high sixth best offense to this point. And I want to say something here. And this is, a, this is a nuanced take. And um, I know that nuance gets stripped away, especially when there's aggregation, especially when, did you hear what so-and-so said? what do he say? And then it's he's like, what? I, and I've, I've quarreled with this about Bonteps. I know that everybody in the league thought that the Kings were stupid for trading Tyrese Halliburton. I did. And the only thing I wanted to say was that Damatis Sabonis is not chopped liver. He is an excellent, excellent player and a two-time All-Star. Yeah. And Bon Temps would be like, well, he's a two-time All-Star in the Eastern Conference. Okay, got it. Please send me a telegram when Tyrese Halliburton is a two-time All-Star in yeah. the Eastern Conference.
2: Yeah.
0: Damatis Dem- Sabonis, and now I, will use the P- now I will use PER. People say PER is weighted towards big men and they trash PER. Damatis Sabonis is one of the league leaders in PER. He is averaging 18 and 11 and six assists a game. Please provide me the list of starting big men who are averaging uh, 18, 11, and six assists in a game. He is averaging that 18 points on 12 shots a game because he is shooting 56% from uh, the field. And he's always, his whole career, he's been an excellent high-efficiency yeah. scorer. He has been awesome for them. Not only that, as Spears you told us a few months ago, he really likes being in Sacramento. It seems, um, and I know that all the f- attention has been focused on Paolo Bancaro and Ben Matherin, and you know some of the higher scoring rookies. Keegan Murray has been very good, just like he was very good over the summer in the preseason. He's, he's averaging better, better. He's averaging thirteen points. His rebounds are a little low for his position, yeah. but he's shooting the ball pretty well. For a rookie, um, shooting, you know, taking a lot more threes than I thought he would. He's taking six threes a game and he's, and he's like wide open. Percent. He's
2: knocking them down.
0: Yeah. I mean, like six threes a game as watch. a rookie and shooting yeah. 39%. Like that's really good. I don't think Steph shot 39. I'm going to go look what Steph shot as a rookie. He might have shot 40%, <clears throat> but he didn't take six threes a game. Um, Uh, Monte
2: Ellis didn't let him shoot that many threes again. (laughs) You got that
0: right. Uh, (laughs) Spears, talk to me about your kinks.
2: I I saw it the first. Well, here's the thing with trades. You got to give up something to get something. It was a great trade for both teams. I think Halliburton's going to have a great career with the Pacers. I think Sabonis is going to have a great career. Sacramento, but Sacramento desperately needed a big. And this is a passing big. This is a guy who rebounds. I've, I became a Sabonis fan actually when I was in India watching the Kings play Indiana. And, and Sabonis was torching the Kings by himself. Um,
0: Maybe Vivek but, did too. Yeah. <laughs> traded for a few yeah. and, years
2: later. And the first game that he played would go, uh, with the Kings, they won and, and, and him and De'Aaron Fox and that pick and roll was beautiful. And after the game, Fox hugged him in the same way that Magic hugged Kareem after that first game, right? Um, they play great together. They're a great fit. Um, they're inside-outside duo. Um, I, I think he is. His star is rising in Sacramento. The way he's rebounding and getting assists, like if they gave he could he could have. Don't Kirk stop me, but if obviously if he shot the ball more, he'd have Joker numbers, right? Um, because the way wow, he's, let's
0: let's not quite go that. Far I'll easy. stop you. Let's not I'll quite stop go you. that far. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like he, I mean, but to have eleven rebounds and and five six assisted games is pretty impressive. At, at at a you know, but Keegan Murray's been great. De'Aaron Fox has been awesome. I think Mike Brown, what he's done. This is the first time he's coached a team that didn't have LeBron or Kobe on it. It certainly comes with a lot of pressure. So, I think he's been able to put his stamp on these, these guys and push them. And De'Aaron Fox told me he loves the way that Mike is challenging, challenging them, coaching them hard uh, on a daily, daily basis. And also, he, by the like,
0: way, uh, De'Aaron Fox is averaging the most points per game in his career. Yeah. He's shooting 55%, highest of his career, yeah. shooting 83% from the line, highest of his career. Mm-hmm. Five rebounds a game, highest to his career. He's having yeah. a career year so far. He
2: had yeah. the coolest buzzer beater of the year by oh, Absolute Lane's. Yeah. Yeah. And and so he he's playing great. Keegan is playing great. Um, Red Velvet was a huge addition. Yeah, let me Lake speak on Monk that real was quick. A huge I, don't, I hate to keep
0: I hate to keep interrupting you. Yeah. Kevin Herter is averaging 17 points a game. Okay. Shooting 51% on threes. I'm sorry. Yeah, 51% on threes, on seven a game. They got him for, like, a protected first-round pick. Like, how about that for one of – you know, basically the the Hawks had spent so much picks and and money in the offseason that they needed to reduce their payroll and they needed to thin out their perimeter play a little bit. And, like, they were like, okay, who wants Kevin Herter? And they got him – like – it, it still boggles my mind that the Kings let Bogdan, Bog, or, uh, uh, Bogdan, Bogdan. Bogdanovich walk for nothing instead of doing a sign-in trade with the Hawks. It's kind of like I don't get it years later. it just how they yeah. handled that was mind-boggling to me. But then they've come back and did another deal and got Kevin Herter, and Herter's been, been great. Now, defensively, their team isn't doing great, and he's not doing great. But, like, how can you argue with 51% on, on threes on seven a, a yeah. game?
2: And and their places, is um, – an. I don't know when's the last time either one of you guys been to a Kings game, but they if they make it to the playoffs, boy, you're gonna see tears. You're gonna see a parade. Like they'll they'll be so happy. And I I talked to De'Aaron last week, and he got emotional, like talking about how much he wants to win there, how much he wants to get this team to the franchise to the playoffs, get people. Stop asking him. He's like tired of talking about the team from 2002. Um, <laughs> actually, like how much he loves, like wants to win for Vivek. And uh, he was just telling me about how their ownership. Um, his his wife had a, like an Achilles surgery in San Diego. She tore Achilles hoop and her. His wife used to hoop a calf. She was actually a McDonald's. I think she was a McDonald's All-American and all that. But anyways. Like I
0: want to invest in their kids.
2: Yeah. yeah, (laughs) How do I buy shares in their kids? So one of the owners called and said, Hey, I got somebody that could do the surgery in San Diego. Like they sent Luke Laux to San Diego um, to train uh, Fox, not only in San Diego, but during his honeymoon and a, and a trainer. So he, he just loves how they've treated him. He wants to win for them. He wants to win for can, the city. He he. Can, can I like, can I uh, you again? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So he's just switched to Rich Paul as his agent. Yeah. And he's under contract for many years. I think he's got three years left yeah, after yeah, this.
2: Yeah.
0: But you know, I I don't know. He's not asking uh, but,
2: out because I, cause I okay. asked. So that I mean, I think people were nervous about that. But De'Aaron doesn't want to leave.
0: Okay.
2: He's kind of in the dame mode. Like he, he wants to do something special there because I asked him, why haven't you asked out? And he's like, I, he's like, I don't want to be handed something. I want to build something here. Okay.
1: Can I take That's the, uh, Tim, can I take the official Tim bond temps wet blanket uh, out of the, out of the, uh, yeah, everybody the takes it with,
0: when I talk about Sabona. So go ahead, join them and throw smithing.
1: it on to, to, to the Sacramento love fest. You know, Mike Brown is one of my favorite uh, coaches, especially as a defensive coach in the league. I know both of you guys know him pretty well. If there's one number that's keeping him up at night right now, it's that defensive number in Sacramento. And I think the big question with Sabonis, and you guys said all the right things about one side of the court, it's the other side of the court. And when you look at really good contending teams in the NBA right now, we already talked about Time Lord in Boston. You have Lopez and Giannis in uh milwaukee you have mobley and jared allen and cleveland draymond green um for years in, in, in the bay i don't think this team can play defense well enough to make any noise i think they need to get stronger at the exact position group we're talking about with sabonis i, I think Eric,
2: i'm just talking playoffs
1: i <laughs> i'm talking <laughs> play in, and i think they might get there and then anything yeah. can happen i i think they've made Hey, the road from bad to good has to pass through average on the way. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I, I'm impressed with where they are. I mean, no yeah, joke. Yeah, yeah. I love the victory beam. It's going to shine more this year than it it, it would have shown uh, last year there in Sacramento. And I well, think Michael get had the defense right. The past, he, owes, yeah. he will get – that's what he did when he got to Cleveland. Brian knows that. Um, but that's the big thing here. Just like with Golden State – I'm not convinced they're able to fix this defense in time to make it to where they want to make it. I think they are on that edge of playing, playoff uh, and we'll see what happens. But I, I think a team with a defensive rating, of 114, it's a tough sell for me making any noise in, in in the postseason.
0: Yeah. One other thing I'll say, you know, one of the reasons why they traded Halliburton was because they believed in Davion Mitchell, especially defensively. Yeah. He's, I don't know if it's a sophomore slump, but you know, Mike's just not playing him that much. He's, his minutes have reduced. Um, So uh, that is something, you know, you can circle and say, that's a little bit concerning because that was a guy, you know, they they basically had three guards and they they chose, you know, Fox and and Mitchell. So, um, you know, you'd like to see more from him in year two. But um, Spears is staying on it, Goldsberry. Spears is staying on it. Um, I like it.
2: Committed. I'll put
1: the <laughs> right. Bontemps I'm, I'm blanket. On. I'll put the Bontemps blanket back. Let's hope they do it. It'd be great to see the <laughs> streak end. It, it, it I'm would,
0: not uh by the way, I don't I'm not necessarily on spur on uh, Spears' uh, side here. I just you know, I literally never talk about the Kings, but there's some stuff here, and um you know Mike Brown to me I would never believe he would have a top ten offense, and I would never believe he'd have a bottom ten defense. So uh-huh. they're you know the inverse so we'll see how that goes long term but uh, all right gone on long enough thank you spears thank you goldsberry thank you to our producers jackson and bruce thanks listen hoop collective podcast we'll be back with the tims later this week if they feel like it